Hey guys, and welcome to the Freelance Fairy Tales podcast. I'm Alex Fasulo, your host, six-figure freelance writer, serial entrepreneur, Fiverr Pro seller, and digital nomad. You've come to the right place if you want to know more about working for yourself online as a freelancer today. I've been freelancing for over six years, and I want to share what I've learned with you. guys welcome back to the freelance fairy tales podcast where we dive into alternative freelancing and side hustling ways to make money online you guys know i took a nice two-month break to go travel the country get inspired meet other freelancers so i'm very excited to be back for season two and for the first time ever i'm interviewing people i've been very excited about this all summer long and i'm super excited also to share with you guys my very first guest that i have on today gabrielle stone and just to give you guys some background on how impressive this woman is. Gabrielle is known for writing the critically acclaimed Eat, Pray, Hashtag FML, as well as the sequel, The Ridiculous Misadventures of a Single Girl, which is out now. We're going to talk about it. She's also the host of the FML Talk podcast. It has hilarious merchandise. You guys have to check it out. That unapologetically dives into the real unfiltered experience of being a woman today and getting screwed over, which we are going to talk about at length. So welcome to the show. Thanks, girl. I'm so excited to be here. You are such a legend in this space. And when you guys reached out to me, I was very excited. So thank you for having me. Oh my God, of course. I love your TikTok. I was actually just watching it before we were doing this. Your one TikTok got like 750,000 likes on it, I think, when it was like to the guy who broke my heart and to the other one who loved Bond Me. Yeah. So I can see straight, which I feel like was really, really clever book marketing. And I definitely want to talk to you about marketing your writings. I think that's a very cool niche thing that a lot of writers don't know how to do. So before we dive into your story, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about how you market your writing as an author and very successfully. Yeah. So when I started, when Eat, Pray, FML first released, and I self-published both of these books, so I didn't have a company behind me. I did the cover myself. I shot everything, you know, and really was in control of all of the marketing aspect. I only had maybe like 12,000 followers on Instagram when I first launched it. And I stayed really consistent and was putting out good content and, you know, funny videos. And it was starting to gain traction. The book was selling well, considering being a Mm self-published book, but it wasn't until I joined TikTok and I did that so begrudgingly, did not want to get on another social media app. And then the pandemic hit and I was like, okay, I'm fucking bored. So let's get on and at least watch some of these really entertaining videos. And then I realized how easy it was to go viral with good content on TikTok, like a lot easier than it is on Instagram. So I started making videos that were centered around the book and my story. And I did it in a way that wasn't, you know, telling people at the top of the video, like, hey, this is a book I want you to buy. It was just talking about my story and my experience and what I had been through. And then somewhere in there, I would throw in, and then I wrote a book about it. (laughs) And a couple of them started to go massively viral into Mm -hmm. the, you know, tens of millions of views. And because I had a product that people could leave the video and go buy, anytime those videos go viral, it translates into book sales. Like, I don't think I would be on TikTok just for the view aspect and to make content. Like, I'm there because 
when the content goes viral, it sells thousands and thousands of books, which then helps thousands and thousands of people heal. So it became a really easy and fun marketing tool for me. Yeah, that's awesome. That's that's almost exactly what I do just with freelancing. And I love how you really understand almost the new like Gen Z way of marketing where you don't even sell the book till the very end of your video. So yeah. it's, it's a clever way where you capture people, you know, and you, you give them a little bit like the breadcrumbs and people are like, tell me more, tell me more. And you're like, uh, you can learn the rest of my book. And it's genius. Right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love it. And I also love how you have that angle where you're helping people heal, women heal, you know, at the same time. I think that's such an important part of doing all of this today. I'm sure you get a significant amount of hate. I'm, I'm guessing you must get some hate on your stuff. I haven't checked it. If you don't, I'm very happy for you. No, I mean, you know, I I think everyone that's on social media in a bigger presence gets hate naturally. Unfortunately, it's mostly men on Mm -hmm. my page. And it's usually the, you know, what were you doing in the bedroom? And why did these men choose to leave you? And why did he cheat? There's two sides to every story and like, blah, 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 blah. Which it's like, you know, it's part of the territory. And like, if, if a a few shitty comments is going to help reach tens of thousands of millions of people, like that's fine. You know, it far surpasses me, you know, having an ego bruised. (laughs) Definitely. I have a lot of people who follow me and they will constantly say to me, you know, what are some of the ways that you continue to post on social media and not care about the hate? And I I know for me, it's because I know it's still helping people at the same Mm -hmm. time. And I feel like that's exactly it for you. You know, if three guys tell you to shut the F up or whatever, you know, well, there's 10 women behind them who are healing through your books. Yeah. And it's, it's, I have really amazing followers and readers that will, you know, come to my defense and, and shut some of the trolls down. But honestly, at the very beginning, it used to affect me a little more just the same way as, you know, the first Mm -hmm. time I read a shitty review about my book, which is inevitable. It's art, it's subjective and it's vulnerable art. So that makes it even more, you know, intense in that aspect. And now I look at them and I'm like, you know, for every one review, there's a hundred people that are loving it and that are having their lives changed from it. So it, it, far outweighs the the negativity that ends up coming. Yeah, absolutely. Guys, anyone listening to this, that's totally how you have to approach this. And that's why I always talk to people about pursuing something that both brings you joy, but also puts value back into the world as well. Because I'll have people come to me and say, oh, I'm just doing, you know, a me, me, me thing. And I'm like, that's fine. But I feel like in order to make it through this hate, there has to almost be that like existential level to it, kind of, where you feel like, by you doing this or suffering or working hard or whatever it is, you are making the world a better place in some way that you know best. And I love that you do that. Thank you. Yeah, no, for sure. So I'll, we'll, we'll take it back to the beginning here for those listening who aren't familiar with your story. We'll take it back to the divorce and the amazing man heading into the vacation. So I will let you take it from here. Yes. So I was married for almost two years. We had been together for five and I found out that my husband was having an affair with a 19 year old for six months. I filed for divorce and left. Shortly after that, I met a guy and we fell madly in love with each other and had this whirlwind romance, like meet my family. I'm going to have babies with this person, all the fairy tale bullshit. And he invited me on a month long trip to Italy 
48 hours before we were getting on the plane, he told me he needed to go by himself. And I was absolutely devastated. He broke my heart like my ex-husband never could have done. And in that moment, I had a decision to make, crying on my bed. And that was either stay at home heartbroken or go travel Europe for a month by myself. So I took a backpack and did six countries over the span of a month and wrote Eat, Pray, FML about it. Absolutely baller. <laughs> I just love that. I, I love like, don't get mad, get even in a way. But in your way, you got even like you in so many different ways, financially, you know, awesome stuff. A lot of people who listen to this podcast, they like to learn more about like the business aspect. You don't necessarily need to talk about money related to it unless you want to. But would you say that once you started writing this book, did it start to almost replace like any other jobs that you were doing at the time? Did you like when did you realize that this brand that you had created was going to almost like become your main thing? Yeah. So it was sort of a process. I started the book the first day I landed on my trip and I wrote three fourths of it on the trip by hand in a leather bound journal that I was carrying around. And when I came home, I finished it, typed it all into my computer. And at that point I was like, okay, I I know how special this is. And I know how many people this is going to reach. So in my mind, I was like, it has to be with one of the big five publishers. That's like the only route to go on this. And I had my my manager send the manuscript to a lot of the bigger publishers. At the time, I was only acting and directing. That was like my, my gig. I was not a writer, would not have considered myself a writer. I wrote one short screenplay and that was it. So we start sending the manuscript out and all of the feedback we're getting is like, it's a little too racy. I think we should tone it back a bit. I don't know if there's a large enough audience for it to really do well. And by universal divine intervention, someone introduced me to a best-selling self-published author. And she basically, in the hour conversation that we had, convinced me all the reasons why it's better to self-publish, which was never in my mindset. I I thought it had to be big with the big Mm -hmm. publishers. So I decided to do that. It was such a big blessing for so many reasons. One, I was able to still keep control over the material. So I didn't have to change anything. I didn't want to. I shot the cover. I got to pick the release date. If it would have been with a publisher, it probably would have taken up to two years to actually like see the light of day and hit shelves. And what people don't realize about publishing versus self-publishing is that, I mean, yeah, you'll have a shiny you know, publishing name on your book, but all they're really going to do is put your book into stores. They're not going to promote it. They're not going to put money behind it. They might throw it up on their website, but they're not really going to get it out to the masses unless you're like Chelsea Handler or one of the bachelorettes or like, you know, a name. So you're basically paying a lot of money to have them rep the book and just put it in stores. And I was like, well, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I'd rather keep the money for myself. And I know I'm going to have to do all the marketing anyways. So I end up self-publishing. And you make comparatively. So for example, my paperback sells for, I think, $17.95 on Amazon. I make $6.49, somewhere in that realm. If I was paying a publisher out, I would be making like maybe around $2 per copy. So it's a very big difference in the margin that you would be making publishing versus self-publishing. And when the book first came out, it was selling well and it was 
doing enough to where I could breathe and not be so anxious about booking a job as an actress. When it started to go viral, which was probably nine months after it first came out, I was like, oh, I I literally don't have to work anymore if I can continue on this path. There was definitely wow. a shift when I realized that I now had financial freedom with something that was forever going to be online. You know what I mean? It wasn't like I had to keep continuously yep. putting out something else. It was it'll forever be there. So people in 20 years that are going through heartbreak and divorce and healing will discover this and I'll still be making residuals off of those copies being sold. Obviously, I continually make content to push it to that level, but it totally changed my life financially in that sense. That's what I love about the online world today is I feel like never before in history, you know, could could stories like this happen. Like there used to be the gatekeeping, like you did have to use the publisher because you couldn't break into the bookstores on your own or you did have to get the job to have the retirement. And it's just none of that is true anymore today. And so many people sit there, you know, with analysis paralysis or fear that they can't have this for some reason. But with your story, you, you know, you self-publish. You, as you said, you didn't consider yourself like a prolific writer or whatever at the time. Obviously, you're a great writer because your book has done so well. And that was my story, too. I didn't consider myself like, oh, I'm this amazing writer. It just started to pay. So I just put my head down and just like, all right, this is paying. I'm going to accept this and like, we're going to run with it. (laughs) I love that. Like for anyone listening to this, if you have been working, you know, in an accounting office your whole life and there's a part of you that wants to be a graphic designer, like who says you can't do it? Just try it out. Now, when the book started to take off and you knew you were going to have financial freedom from it, I see you now also have a podcast and merch. You've kind of built a whole brand around it. So what was kind of the timeline of you building out this business, this like empire that you have today? So the first book, Eat, Pray, FML, came out in June of 2019, and it wasn't until probably the following year, like nine months later, where the the first video went viral and its stuff really started to take off. And then quarantine happened. And, you know, I had been getting asked to do a podcast since the book came out, just as I've been getting asked, like, when's the sequel coming out since the book came out? And I just never, I was like, everybody has a podcast. What am I going to talk about? Like, you know, maybe I'll have a thousand people from my book fans that'll come over, but like, I don't see it really going anywhere. And for mm-hmm. me to want to put my energy behind something, I have to see the trajectory. I have to like, I, I, I want to know it's going to be successful and know it's going to go somewhere. And then quarantine happened. And my girlfriend was like, look, let's just do it. I'll produce it for you. Like just commit to doing a season and we'll see how it goes. So I did. And it took off in a way that I never thought possible. There are people now from our our reels on our Instagram page going viral that find the podcast and fall in love with the podcast who haven't even read the book. So now I have people from two different pools that are coming in and crossing mm-hmm. over and the podcast people will eventually read the book and the the book people come to the podcast and it's it's been a really wild ride to see it grow. The first time that my producer friend was like we should do merch, I looked at her thinking she was crazy. I, I was, I, that was never, you know, because I'd always seen, you know, the YouTubers put out their merch and stuff. And I was like, that's so not what yeah. I'm trying to do. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, if we're going to, we'll put out a thing to see if people want it and if people 
respond to it. And everybody was like, yes, yes, yes. So I had a really big hand in, you know, like sitting down and designing it to be stuff that I would want to wear myself that still had something to do with the brand of, you know, healing and female empowerment and like being divorced and proud of it. And it really started to create this community of women and men in the space that I was working in. We eventually then branched off and did a Patreon subscription part of the podcast, which is like $5 a month. And everybody gets 10% off the merch and access into the self-love Facebook group, which is like this awesome community of people that are, mm-hmm. you know, uplifting and supporting each other with like behind the scenes stuff. And then a whole extra bonus seasons of, of like mini bonus episodes. So it's become this whole beast of work for me that's been so amazing that started with me, you know, in the most devastating, heartbreaking part of my life that led me to Europe and I wrote a book in a journal. It's really wild to see the blueprint of how things have happened. Yeah. Now I have to ask, did you, so when you were in Europe and you started writing this book, did you have a like aha moment or like almost a dream one night? Or did you wake up one day and just go like, I'm going to write this book? Was there like a moment, like a funny thing where some random person came over to your dinner table and was like, you're going to be an author or anything funny like that? So I ended up talking to the guy who broke up with me right before Europe. Two days before we were leaving, we had like a conversation. And at the end of that conversation, when I told him I was still going to go on the trip by myself, he dropped me off at home and asked me, how are you feeling, Gabs? And I said, like, I'm about to go on a journey of eat, pray, fuck my life. And that's the (laughs) title of the book I'm going to write. And it just clicked. I don't know where it came from. I had never, like I said, I had never written before. And if you open the journal, it's not like I was journaling throughout the whole time. You open it and it's chapter one. And it's very, very close to how the finished book ended up being printed. So it it was almost like a cosmic thing in my soul that the universe was like, okay, this is about to be a big deal and you're going to write about it and it's going to help people around the world. Yeah. And, and would you say that you almost had this like newfound confidence for it that kind of came out of nowhere because you didn't even know you were going to write the book two days ago and, and it just appeared and you knew you were going to do it like you knew in your heart? Yeah, I did. And people, I do interviews where people are like, did you have any idea that it would end up here? And humbly, I say, yeah, I do, because I I felt it in my soul that the things that I was experiencing and going through was going to be able to help a lot of people. And I just yeah. knew that this was what I was put here to do. And it made everything I had been through so worth it to see that it's now reaching people everywhere and able to help them. I mean, the the messages that I get from my readers are unbelievable. Like I, I left an abusive relationship because of your book, or I learned how to love myself, or I stayed to fight for my marriage and you saved my marriage, like really incredible things that, you know, would just make all of it so worth it. Yeah. Wow. I need to read this book now. (laughs) I'm like, oh my God, I want to read the book. It's incredible. And I say to people all the time, if you're at a job where you feel like you aren't contributing in any way to anyone you're unhappy, you're not making other people happier. That is not how this is all supposed to go. It should feel more fulfilling than that. It should be written into your soul. You know, you shouldn't even, it shouldn't even be hard almost to get started doing it. Like when it appears 
accept it, don't be scared of it. You know, were, were you ever scared of this when it came out of nowhere or did you almost, were you nervous, but you knew you had to do it anyway? I think it was a mixture of all of that. I, yeah. of course, when you put something out that's so raw and authentic and vulnerable, there's some fear like people are going to judge me. I remember when yeah. I gave my mom the first vomit draft of Eat, Pray, FML to read, she looked at me and was like, oh my God, Gabrielle, are you sure you don't want to change your name or take out one of the men that you slept with or like... T- something. And I was like, no, mom, like this is, people are going to relate to this. This is real life. And if I'm going to put it out there, it has to be real and authentic. And it's interesting because I say all the time to people like, look, I could have sat down and strung together beautiful words and made this very poetic novel, but that's not what this book is or was intended to be. It's supposed to feel like you're sitting down with your girlfriend, having a glass of wine and traveling across Europe while you're watching this like crazy Netflix show. And, you know, so it's, I would, to those people that are afraid to take that leap, I would say you have to do it the way that your soul is moved to do it. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Because all the publishing companies would have said, tone it down. Let's like fluff it up a little bit. Make it make it a little more, you know, elegant as you write. Take out some F-bombs. And that wouldn't have been the same book. And that wouldn't have had the success that this book had. Absolutely. I mean, that is the name of the game with all marketing today. You have to be authentic to whatever you are feeling called to share. And if you start allowing other people to scare you away from that, you're totally going to miss the mark. I mean, so many people exactly in the beginning when they were saying to me like, oh my God, Alex lost it. She's on a website where people make $5. Like we're going to have to be dropping off dinner at her doorstep because she's going to be on the streets. And, you know, if I had listened to all of that, right, we probably, we wouldn't be sitting here chatting both you and I. And that's what is so amazing about allowing spirituality into your story. So I think a lot of people are scared of spirituality because there's different religions or they feel one way towards one religion that turn them off to it or one way towards another. And I always say to people, take the religion part out of it and just call it faith, call it spirituality yeah. and allow the energy and the world to flow through you as it needs to. Oh, I love that. Yes. And you know, I was, like I said, I was acting for the, for years and years and had just started directing But as an actress in LA, like we're fucking dime a dozen. So constantly it's like book a job, book a job, book a job. Do you want to pay rent next month? Book a job. And Mm -hmm. that's, it's such a crapshoot industry as it is. And I was lucky to be consistently working in it, but I was constantly stressed and I was having to take jobs that were these low budget indie films that I knew were going to turn out like shit that I didn't really want to be working on, but I was taking them because I needed the paycheck. And taking this chance and doing this on my own completely changed my life around. For the sequel, you'll actually find this interesting. So I sat down the last time I got my residual check for my audiobook for Eat, Pray, FML, because at the time I was, you know, I put some money in, I did everything myself, and then I got an audiobook deal. And audiobooks are not necessarily cheap to produce, as I thought you know, back then. And I was like, okay, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. This is, I should take this deal. And it was a good deal. Like they gave me an advance, which is unheard of from a first time indie author. So I ended up doing the audiobook with them. The last time a video of mine went viral and I got my residual check-in, it had sold $30,000 like that they profited. 
and I got a check for 4300 And I was like, this is bullshit. So yeah. with my second book, The Ridiculous Misadventures of a Single Girl, I was like, I'm going to do this myself. This is dumb. Like, why am I paying out so much money? I have a podcast. I record shit all the time. So I called a studio, went in, hired, hired an engineer. We did the whole thing over the span of five days, the same way I did my first one. And it cost me in total $3,500 to do. So literally yeah. that residual check that I got from my last one produced my whole audiobook this time around. And now instead of giving away so much of the money, this one, when it's live, it'll be paying me 40% of all the sales as opposed to 20 with a company who, by the way, did nothing but like put it onto the outlets. Like they never promoted, they never got the word out. They produced no. thousands and thousands of audiobooks. And it was like, why am I not taking this into my own court and doing it myself so that I can reap the benefits of that moving forward? Absolutely. I've been caught up in some of those situations over the last seven years where you fall for it or, or you, you're like, oh, this company's going to help me. They're going to market me, whatever. I find every single freaking time, like 95% of the time, when they see my social media accounts and they see the marketing that I'm capable of, yeah. suddenly they don't push anything out and right. they just sit there and collect a check. And the marketing power of the an individual user today that you have, that I have, they know that nothing is more powerful than somebody who commands their own, you know, loyal following on social media. So they get lazy. And yeah. if you're listening to this, you know, don't ever think that, yeah, you have to fall for these contracts or these deals that rip you off. You are capable of driving your own sales. I mean, Gabrielle's like the literal perfect example of that. But I know in, bu in book marketing, I'm experiencing it a little bit myself right now. There's a lot of, it's a very archaic kind of industry yeah. a little bit. And there's a lot of older people that were used to, you know, another way of doing things. But yeah. today, you know, with you, you, you have a TikTok that could reach more people than their budget of four years could reach. So it's like, we have to take more of this power back. Totally. And listen, for people that are listening to this, I once and still do sometimes roll my eyes at social media. I have a love-hate relationship with social media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think if you can show up authentically and really, you know, put good content out there and be able to allow people to see that your life isn't perfect because no one's is, then that's great. I also want to throw my phone and move to Thailand and never like get on it again sometimes. You know, it's it's, it's it depends on the day. But if you can figure out smart ways to market whatever you're selling, like you said, the the especially the book industry is very archaic. Like there's a lot of like older, mm -hmm. you know, thoughts behind it. Most of my readers are people that never read because they have seen a TikTok and they're like, oh, I, I don't read, but like, I have to read this. And yeah. they'll be like, I've, I haven't read a book in seven years and I read this in two days, you know? So it's about going where people are and be able to put content out that's going to hook them and then be able to market something in return. And you're so right what you said earlier. It totally helps when you're not just selling something to sell something because then there's like, <laughs> inevitably, if you're a good human, there's this sleaziness that lingers in you, even yeah. though everybody's trying to make money, everyone's trying to do a good job. But if you know, like I have no shame in putting that same story, like I have 
many stories on my on my TikTok that are the same thing. Like husband cheated on me with a 19-year-old for six months, met a guy and fell in love, you know, the whole story in different ways and different trends. But those are the ones that go viral. So do mm-hmm. I get, you know, five or 10 comments from people being like, God, you only talk about the same stuff? It's like, yes, but those are the people that don't know what TikTok does and don't realize that this is going to sell thousands and thousands of copies of a book and then allow thousands and thousands of people to heal. So I don't give a shit if there's a few people that are annoyed with it because I know the people that it does reach, it's going to help exponentially. And yeah, it's also going to put food on my table and allow me to keep a roof over my head. So it's like everybody wins. Oh, no, for sure. Now I have to ask you with marketing, how has saying fuck, you know, and all of your stuff gone for you? Has it helped or hindered or you think just, you know, floats in the middle? So I originally, when I knew that that's what I wanted to title it, wanted to call it Eat, Pray, Fuck My Life. And everybody was like, you can't just put the F word on the cover of a book. And I was like, well, why? So we came up with doing the the hashtag FML. And that part has been pretty fine. I've run into one issue and that was that Facebook in the very early days when I published, I was trying to do the Facebook ads, which by the way, never did shit for me. They would, what's the word I'm looking for? Like neglect or not approve the ad that I was trying to run because it had the cover on it and the cover had FML. So I guess Facebook knew what it was, Mm -hmm. you know, standing for. So that was the only problem I've ever run into. Other than that, no one's had anything to say. I mean, look, I don't advise people that have a problem with the F word to read this book. Like, don't, yeah. don't get it. But it, it hasn't ever been a problem for me on TikTok or Instagram. You know, my podcast is called FML Talk. So I get on there and I talk the way that I normally talk and I drop F-bombs and, you know, we swear and it it's just it is what it is. Not in an excessive way, but like, you know, but it's never given me any, any issues as far as marketing. I'm sure it would in a publishing house. I mean, I know that Penguin Random House rejected Eat, Pray, FML because of the language in it. They toe the line with, with shit. So the F word was just (laughs) like an abomination. And so I, I think in the early stages of, you know, getting it placed places, it may have affected it, but that ended up working out in my favor. Yeah. That's what I would guess too, because it's unique in a way. And, you know, there's so many, so much online, so much content online today that there is something about the unapologetic boom in your face name of your brand is hard to forget. What would you say has been your experience going from, you said, acting to becoming an author to now really becoming a businesswoman? You know, what, what would you, what would your advice be to, I guess, a younger woman listening to this or older, whoever, on all of those changes that have happened for you and how you see yourself today? Like, do you see yourself as a businesswoman, as like a boss bitch? How do you see yourself with it? Sorry, there's a lot of questions. <laughs> no, that's okay. Yes, I, I do try and identify with myself as a boss bitch. Yes. So, I think my experience in directing really helped when I transitioned into a businesswoman because I was so detail oriented and really I'm an inherent control freak. It's it's a blessing and a curse. But <laughs> when I do things like they're done to the fullest extent. So if I'm writing a book like I'm writing a book and we're getting it out there. When I committed to writing the sequel, I was like you know, it's got to be at a certain level. When I committed to the podcast, it was, it was like, okay, if we're going to do it, we've got to go all the way and it's got to be big and we've got to grow it. 
And the people that I have on my team, which are very, very few, I don't have an assistant. Like I, I run all my social media. I answer all my DMs about the book. Like I, I'm very hands-on with everything. I have my one producer that runs my podcast with me. And we just recently partnered with another company that's kind of like helping us do the, the visual component for season three. Mm-hmm. But I'm very like the nicest person on the planet. But like, if you're on my team, we don't fuck up. Like, that's just <laughs> what it is. And it's not, it's not to say, you know, that people aren't human and people don't make mistakes, of course. But like, if you're committing to something and like, this is your job and this is my job, get it done the right way and be competent with it. You know, I'm the person that it falls on. So like if my producer fucks up and something happens on the podcast, they don't go, oh, her producer probably dropped the ball on that. They go, oh, Gabrielle's show sounded like shit today. So it all falls on you. So my advice would be if you're going to invest your time and yourself and your energy into something, do it the best you can. Like, don't half-ass it, show up for yourself, show up for the product that you're putting out and really commit to being like, this is my thing and we're going to run with it. And be careful who you bring into that space Mm -hmm. because there's only so much that you can control when you start letting other people handle everything. No, definitely. I always find, and I could be wrong, that it's hard as women doing what we do because I'm the same way as you. But I always have that, you know, voice in the back of my head that's like, well, don't be too bitchy. You know, well, don't don't be a C yep. word. I guess I mean I I I swear constantly and I've tried to keep it off my social media, but I feel like I, I feel like I've like proven myself at this point. So I'm like ready to be more like real with everything. You're like, I'm professional, fuck. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, y'all know like what I've done at this point. But I feel like it's hard for women because we're afraid to be bossy, to be aggressive, to be whatever, because then a guy's like, oh, she's a bitch. Oh, she's a yeah. whatever. And I feel like someone like you or whatever, it's like, you're such a good role model. You know, if there's like a 16 year old listening to this or something that you can be obsessed with being the best with making sure everything's perfect and also still be like a nice person. I think people yeah. always think like, if you're going to be a bitch that you're, you're mean. And it's like, right. no, no, no. You can, you can just be really, really obsessed with your brand being perfect. That doesn't necessarily mean you're mean though. No, not at all. And yes, I totally resonate with that fear of being looked at in that way. I went into a meeting the other day and a lot of different balls had been dropped with this company that we were talking with. And I remember like, you know, speaking and being like, this can't happen and it doesn't fall on you guys. It falls on me. And like, there shouldn't be an excuse for why these things happened. And there was this one girl in the room who had never met me. And I looked at her, I was like, I'm sorry, you probably think I'm such a bitch, but it's not like you go into those situations saying, hi, I'm Gabrielle and everything needs to be like this. And this is how we're going to, you know, you don't start off like that. You just set the expectations. And then if they're not met or balls are dropped, then of course you're, you've got to come in and, and take some control of the situation. Like men do that all the time in a way gnarlier way and they don't get flack for it. So I, you know, as long as you know you're being a good person and you're coming from an authentic, genuine place, there's no shame to me in being the boss in, in a certain situation. You heard it here first. I mean, I couldn't agree. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. You know, I... 
The more I do all this stuff, the more I realize the people who are going to hate you and have a problem with your bitchiness are always going to no matter what. You know, whether you're quiet in the corner, they're still going to say, she's a bitch, I hate her. Or whether you're on social media encouraging, you know, thousands of women to find actual fulfillment and happiness and healthy relationships in their life, they're going to hate you again, you know, for that totally. too. So it's like, you might as well just freaking go for it. Especially with all the stuff in social media today and how much hate people get online, there has to come a point where you just have come to Jesus moment and you're like, okay, I can do everything right and be the with the best intentions and someone's still going to find something yep. that they hate or that I did wrong. And you can't do anything about it. And I used to be, you know, more triggered by some of the comments that came in, you know, on the the videos that went viral. I just delete them now. I'm like, I just don't even have time to respond or yeah. clap back or give a shit. Yeah. Like, it's like this person is probably unhappy sitting in their mother's basement. Like, you know, it's like I, I can't even waste the energy on that. And they're probably hurting, you know, like yeah. you probably triggered something in them that hurts. And it's like, OK, moving on. You know, you can't allow it to to affect you as hard as it is. And it takes a while to get used to that and to get that thicker skin. Then that's a mature way to approach it too. Okay, so I would ask you for everyone listening to this who is interested in writing their own book, selling books as a way to earn passive income so they can be financially free, what would your like one, two, three tips be to them? If it's someone listening to this, they've never written a book before, they don't even know where to begin, you know, what what would you say to them? So I get a lot of DMs saying, oh my God, I have a story that I've wanted to write for so long, but I don't know where to start. Yeah. Nobody gives a shit about an idea until it's written. Nobody cares that like you have this awesome story. Write the book. You have to sit down and write the book. And everyone's like, well, I don't know where to start. I didn't either. I sat down, opened a journal and wrote a book. I didn't Google how to write a book. I didn't have an outline. I didn't have a process. Like I sat down and wrote from a place of truthfulness and what I was going through and what I knew. So my first tip is to sit down and write the book. Even if it's just word vomit, yeah. like get it out and write the book. My sequel, I should have outlined probably because it was over a much longer time period of my life. I had to cut 50,000 words by the time I got to the edit process. So, but you sit down and you word vomit everything and write it all out. Tip number two, hire an editor. Do not skip yes. this step. Do not send it to a friend that like has an English degree and is really good at proofreading. Hire a legitimate editor. And people are like, well, how do I find an editor? You literally Google. I sat down and Googled different editors. I called, <laughs> did my research, ended up linking up with this one. Her name is Erica Ellis at Ink Deep Editing. I highly recommend her. If you go, tell her I sent you. She was a mid-level as far as pricing. She charged by by words, like the number of words in your manuscript. Because I talked to some editors that were like 10,000 for them to read it once. And I was like, that's insane. Like I need someone yeah. that's going to work with me and do a couple passes yeah. on this. And that was the biggest, biggest thing that I did in this process. And I was getting ready to release Eat, Pray, FML after I had had, you know, a friend that was very good at proofing that had a couple degrees do a couple passes with me on it. And I actually went to this psychic medium who I write about in the first book who literally predicted half of my life. And I went back to her to do a session with her and she was like, it's not ready. You have to have someone that doesn't care about you read it. 
from like a a tough love standpoint. And because of that, I held off publishing, did a full on edit pass with this editor. And she allowed me to see clearly on what I didn't need, like the extra fluff of stuff. So I could then go back and expand on more of the healing and lessons that I learned. And it made the book so much better. And that's just on a content level, like nobody grammar wise and stuff like I, you know, people find typos all the time in like published professional books. So editor is like big time key. And then you decide if you want to self-publish or go to a company. If you go to a company, you know, you have to submit. It usually works better with literary agents, but you can submit your manuscripts and hope they read them. For self-publishing, I did everything on KDP, which is Amazon's print on Mm -hmm. demand site. You literally upload your manuscript, upload all the, the content details, and then you publish it. And it's now available on Amazon. What's great about KDP is that they can print depending on how many orders come in. So if 20 orders come in one day, they print 20 books and ship them directly out. If 500 orders come in, they print 500 books and they ship them out. So you don't have to have any overhead at your house. I mean, I keep, you know, copies here because I do signed copies on my website, but you don't have to have like an office stacked with books, which is huge to do all the shipping and stuff. So it's really not the hardest process once you've got the content that you want to publish. You know, you hire a cover designer, you hire a formatter who's going to give you a paperback PDF and an ebook file, and then you upload it and you publish. I mean, guys, there you have it. I have even an ebook, you know, not the level of what you have. And my ebook brings me in still like $10, $15 a day. It was not yeah. that hard for me to write or do. It's short. You know, it's, is it annoying at times, right, to do some of this stuff? It gets a little tedious, but it's a really amazing way to make passive income, you know, or in your case, change your entire life in an amazing way. And guys, if you don't follow her on social media, you must go follow her. She's very, she's being humble. She's very, very good, especially with her TikToks. They're very clever. Also heartfelt. Some of your stuff, even it's emotional stuff. So you talk about trauma and sexual, you know, different things like that, that I'm even watching it sometimes. I'm like, whoa. And and I can tell you have like acting experience too, because it's the combo of that with your fate. You know, you're good with acting with it. So guys, I highly recommend, I'll have you right now shout out uh, her book. Her second book is out already. So if you want to share where they can go find it. Yeah. So the first book is Eat, Pray, FML. The sequel is The Ridiculous Misadventures of a Single Girl. They're both available exclusively on Amazon or on my website, which is eatprayfml.com. And they're both available in ebook, hardcover, paperback, and audiobook, which I narrate myself. And social media is at Gabrielle Stone on Instagram and Twitter. And TikTok is at Gabrielle underscore Stone. I love you have like one of those names where I feel like you could have like a jewelry line or something or like a clothing Yay, line. I love that. <laughs> it has like a like designer sound to it. It's great. Um, yeah, Thank guys, you. I'm also going to I'm going to link all of her stuff, of course, in the description of this. Chop this up into some nice social media bits that we're going to put out there. But thank you, Gabrielle, for sharing your story with me. I guess final thing, if you want to leave with this, will there ever be a third book? You know, God, girl, I hope not, um, because all of this was about the insane stuff that was going on in my life. So I've finally found a very peaceful, happy balance. But like, you know, never say never. I I, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Well, I'll have to have you on next time in case there is, but hopefully there won't be. Yes, I will. Anytime. Anything, I'm, I feel like I have not read the book yet. I'm going to, though. I feel like it, it 
begs to be a TV show or movie. It sounds like it to me. So we're in the very, very, very early stages of pitching the book as a series. So we'll see. Yeah. Beautiful. Sending you good vibes. That's the end goal for sure. (laughs) Awesome. Hey, you know, never dream too big. That's awesome. All right. Thank you, Gabrielle, for coming on and for being my first guest. (laughs) You're so welcome. Welcome.